that the uh, local newspaper, The Satellite, ran an article out in Andrews a couple of weeks back. I don't know whether you saw it. It was uh, all about the new name and the launch and that kind of thing. And uh, I was quoted as saying, uh, we're calling the faithful to come and worship with us, or words to that effect. Uh, despite the quotation marks, I didn't actually say that. Uh, but it's interesting that the reporter should put the word faithful into my mouth. The words Christian and faithful seem to go hand in hand. But why is that? What does it mean to be faithful? What are the marks of a faithful Christian? That's what we're going to try and answer this morning. And right at the beginning of this morning's passage, we see a stark contrast between those who have not been faithful and Onesiphorus who have. Paul says that everyone in the province of Asia has de deserted him, including Phygelus and Hermogenes, and uh, it's likely that they were key leaders in the churches that Paul had planted. Uh, Paul thought he could rely on these guys, uh, but when he got arrested or rearrested, they deserted him. Presumably, they didn't want to get themselves into the same kind of trouble that Paul was in. Uh, we know that Paul is in prison, he's awaiting a death sentence. He's, he's not under house arrest as he was the last time he was arrested. Uh, chapter 2, verse 9 tells us that he's chained like a criminal. Faithful Onesiphorus had to search hard for him. Uh, he's hunted all over Rome and he eventually found Paul chained up in a dark and gloomy dungeon. Uh, but what a contrast between those who deserted Paul and Onesiphorus, who searched high and low for him, and when he found Paul, he refreshed him. So Onesiphorus remained faithful, and Paul is encouraging Timothy to do the same. There are four key elements from today's passage that I want to pick up on, and together uh, they give us a, a much clearer picture of what it means to be a faithful Christian. So here are the things that we're going to look at, the marks of a faithful Christian, which is endure hardship, to put Jesus first, to play by the rules, to work hard. Endure hardship, put Jesus first, play by the rules, work hard. So firstly, we're to endure hardship, or suffering, some translations have it. Paul uh, tells Timothy to endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Christians have always had to endure hardship. In Paul's case, much of his hardship or suffering is the result of persecution. Paul is in prison for proclaiming the good news of Jesus. But I think uh, when we talk about the persecution of Christians, uh, a lot of people think about Christians being thrown to the lions in a huge Roman amphitheater hundreds of years ago. Uh, well, that did happen, though actually on a fairly small scale. It was nothing uh, compared to the way that Christians are being persecuted in the world today. Christians are the most persecuted group in the contemporary world. The Catholic Church has reported that over 100,000 Christians are violently killed each year because of their faith. According to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians are denied fundamental human rights simply because they are Christians. In fact, 80% of all religious discrimination worldwide is directed at Christians. Uh, now, we're, we're cushioned from that uh, here in Australia. We don't face violent persecution, perhaps mild uh, animosity at worst. That doesn't make us uh, second-rate Christians. Uh, it doesn't mean we're not committed. 
It doesn't mean we're not faithful. It, it just means that uh, right now, at this point in time, we happen to live in a country uh, that is relatively peaceful and democratic and liberal. We don't need to feel guilty for that. We just need to thank God. Paul, uh, uh, we, uh, we're to endure hardship when it comes. We're not necessarily to go and look for it. Paul didn't go in search of hardship. Uh, hardship was uh, the result of, uh, or the byproduct of Paul's obedience to God's call on his life. And Paul uses the analogy of a soldier because uh, soldiers have to endure all kinds of hardship. Uh, they uh, experience extremes of temperature, hostile environments, fatigue, lack of home comfort, separation from family. In, in many respects, soldiering hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. Soldiers don't look for hardship, though. They endure it uh, when they have to. The question is, will we be willing to endure hardship, suffering, if and when it comes? In the 19th century, it was socially acceptable to be a Christian. In fact, it was expected. In Victorian England, uh, pretty much half the population would be in church on any given Sunday. And it, was, it was pretty much like that right across uh, Europe. And the um, Danish philosopher and theologian, Soren Kierkegaard, he wrote, and I paraphrase, but he said that if everyone in church on Sunday knew what it meant to be a true follower of Jesus, most of them would stay at home. I'm not trying to put you off, by the way. Well, it has now become less socially acceptable to go to church, and numbers in the West have dwindled. So what happens if it becomes socially unacceptable? What happens if, as in many parts of the world today, it becomes dangerous? Will we still be worshipping together? Will we be like Phileas and Homogenes who deserted? Or like Onesiphorus who remained faithful? We kind of need to make that decision now. If we leave that to the moment where we're being tested, we're going to waver. It's a decision that needs to be made in advance. Enduring hardship or being willing to endure hardship is a real mark of a person's faithfulness. So let's make the decision now. Let's make the decision to serve Jesus faithfully, no matter what that means, no matter what hardship we may, may have to endure as a result. The second mark of faithfulness is that we put Jesus first. Uh, still using the analogy of a soldier, Paul says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Uh, when a soldier is away from home on an operational tour or uh, they perhaps a military campaign, they're completely focused on the task at hand. There are far fewer distractions than they would have at home. So for you and I, if we, uh, we go to work each day and we're living at home and then we come back home at the end of uh, our day's work, uh, we have to balance our work life and our home life. But for a soldier, their work life and their home life or their civilian life are kept very separate, even more so in the ancient world where you couldn't pick up a phone or write an email. And so if a soldier was away, there were no distractions. They had one focus, and that was to obey their commanding officer. Also, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So, so who is this commanding officer uh, that we're to aim to please? Uh, well, I'm sure you've figured out that it's Jesus. We're to put Jesus at the centre of our lives. 
Uh, but this doesn't mean uh, that we're called to neglect family and work and everything else and uh, go running around doing things for the church in an endless uh, frenzy of activity. Uh, because we lead multifaceted lives. God calls us to have families and jobs and responsibilities. He inspires us to have uh, interests and passions and diversions and we neglect all those things at our peril. The question is, who do we seek uh, to please? Who do we put first? Is it ourselves? Is it our spouse, our kids, our boss, family, friends, who? Well, according to Paul, it's Jesus. We demonstrate our faithfulness by seeking to please Jesus ahead of everybody else. But here's the catch. If we genuinely want to please Jesus, then actually over time we'll become better husbands and wives and parents and employees because these are the vocations that God calls us to. So if someone's a Christian and their spouse isn't and they devote all their free time to the church, I'd want to question that because the chances are uh, their, their, their spouse might be at home uh, feeling neglected. And I don't think that's what Jesus so you get the idea, if we want to be faithful, we aim to please Jesus, we put Jesus first, uh, but that won't come at the expense of other things that we're actually called to, uh, like being a husband and a wife. So the third part of faithfulness is that we play by the rules. Verse 5 says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. Uh, some people think the Bible is just a big book of rules and that God is a penurious killjoy who imposes lots of unnecessary rules in order to spoil everybody's fun. Let me assure you, nothing could be further from the truth. God's rules or moral laws are there to protect us. God loves us, he wants the best for us and he gives us his moral laws so that we can live life to the full. Ignoring the rules, what the Bible uh, calls sin, ignoring the rules generally leads to disaster. Uh, the more we sin, the more we ignore the rules, and the more we complicate our lives, uh, the more we do ourselves and others real harm, the more miserable and wretched we become. Using Paul's example from athletics, uh, imagine a race, or any sport for that matter, uh, with no rules. There'd be no fun or satisfaction in competing. Actually, when I first saw AFL, I thought that there were no rules. It just looked like a bunch of blokes fighting on the pitch. Uh, I've since learned that there are rules. I don't know what they are, but I know there are rules. Uh, but imagine a game of football without any rules. It would be frustrating, dangerous, and completely unfulfilling. We couldn't have sport without rules. And we can't have fullness of life without God's boundaries. We certainly can't expect to get the gold medal or the victor's crown as Paul puts it, if we're not playing by the rules. Imagine you're watching the Olympics and uh, you see a javelin thrower running down the field with the javelin in their hands and planting it in the ground like that. You, you kind of know that they're not going to get uh, a medal. Or you're watching the men's 100 metre uh, final and the uh, athletes are lined up and the guy next to Usain Bolt is wearing rollerblades and a jetpack. <laughs> Still might not win, but you know uh, that he's not going to get a medal, he's going to be disqualified. An athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. In the same way, we, we can't claim to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ 
and then ignore all the rules. One of the marks of faithfulness is that we play by the rules. That doesn't mean that we've got to be perfect. We're not perfect. But over time, we learn what God wants from us and what he wants for us, and we develop the self-discipline to live in obedience to him. And if that sounds like a terrible chore, it really shouldn't. Because living in obedience to God is wonderfully uh, liberating and satisfying. Back in the UK, Caleb started, sorry, I can't quite bring myself to call it soccer. You'll have to give me a, a bit of time on that. He started football training. And uh, when he first started, he didn't have a clue about the rules. He was uh, picking up the ball with his hands. He celebrated when he scored an own goal. And uh, let's just say his tackling was uh, over-enthusiastic. Uh, but over time, we saw a marked improvement. He learned what was expected of him. And most of the time, he was able to follow the rules. But imagine if you're watching a Premier League match and you saw a 26-year-old footballer picking up the ball with his hands, fouling everyone on the pitch, and scoring on goals. You'd say, what's he doing there? He's not a footballer. What's he, what's he even on the pitch for? Of course, we do occasionally see footballers handball or foul or even score an own goal. But it's not the norm. It's not the norm. And it's the same for us as Christians. We demonstrate our faithfulness by the way that we live our lives. As we saw last week, our salvation is a free gift of grace. But the way that we live our lives is evidence that we've received that gift. If the gospel doesn't change the way uh, we live our lives, it's quite possible that we really haven't understood the gospel. So that's the third mark of faithfulness, playing by the rules. Finally, we're required to work hard. Verse 6 says, the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. I think most people would agree that uh, soldiers and athletes and farmers work hard, uh, but I think that Paul is right to single out the farmer as being especially hard-working, the hard-working farmer. In the first century, 90% of the population would have worked on the land, so everybody would have been able to identify with this. Uh, farming is and always has been hard work, it's hard graft. But with farming, you don't get the excitement that comes with soldiering, and you don't get the applause that comes with athletics. Farmers just get on with it, day after day after day. So uh, what is this crop that farmers are to be the first to share in? Well, well the crop is twofold. Uh, to start with, it is to do with uh, personal holiness, and it's also to do with those people uh, that we lead to Jesus. Uh, but I want to look at the first of those two things, personal holiness. Uh, because many Christians, I think, are, are sometimes surprised and uh, perhaps disillusioned that they're not noticeably growing in holiness. They're not, they don't feel that they're changing. And I think often that can be uh, because unlike the farmer, uh, we're not putting in the work day after day after day. There is no spiritual equivalent to a microwave dinner. There are no shortcuts. If we want to grow in holiness, we do need to be disciplined with our prayer lives, with reading the Bible, hanging out with other Christians, asking questions, building each other up, encouraging each other. Uh, that doesn't mean that overnight we can become these supercharged Christians. I mean, if we're not praying at all, and we begin to pray for three minutes a day, that's a great step in the right direction. We're praying for three minutes a day and we, we, we pray for five minutes, not that it's all about uh, the time we pray for, but it's just little steps in the right direction. 
so that we're not static, we're moving forwards with our relationship with God, we're growing in holiness. But if we don't invest time and effort in our spiritual growth, we're like a farmer who's expecting a good crop, even though he's done nothing in the field yet. But for many, uh, the idea of the Christian life being hard work is not what they want to hear. And uh, I'm sure there's, uh, that someone might be thinking, I- I've got enough work. I don't need any more work. But all relationships involve hard work. A good marriage involves hard work. And what we're talking about here is the most important relationship of all. And that is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's the relationship that changes everything. Faithfulness involves hard work, but it's hard work that pays off. It yields a crop that we're to share in, that we're to benefit from. And there's a sense in which uh, many of us probably work too hard, spend too much time in front of a computer screen or hunched over a desk or uh, running around after clients. Working on our spiritual health might involve taking a break from that, going out for a walk, praying as we go, Far from uh, adding to our workload, it served to alleviate the stresses and strains of life as we uh, allow ourselves to be built up and strengthened by Christ. There is no better life uh, than a life of faithful service to our loving and gracious Father. By working on our spiritual health, we actually enhance every area of our lives. So the four marks of faithfulness that we see in this passage. Uh, We're to endure hardship if necessary, go looking for it. Uh, We're to put Jesus first, and that will have a positive effect on all of our relationships. We're to play by the rules, they're they're there to protect us, to enhance our lives, not to restrict us. And we're to work hard, investing in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ will have a transformative effect on every area of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we look at Paul's uh, list of uh, attributes of the faithful Christian, and we look at those illustrations that he gives us, uh, the Christian life can look daunting. But we pray, Father, that we will look to you to give us the motivation, uh, the strength, the perseverance, the willingness to put you first. And Father, we pray that uh, we'll be willing to make small steps in that direction. Even the longest journey begins with a single step. And Father, we pray uh, that we will be people that want to move forwards with our relationship with you. And we want to deepen uh, our sense of faith and trust. We want to grow in love and good works. Father, help us, fill us with your spirit today and help us to be the people that you have called us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.